Well, tonight we've got a, uh, we're going, we've dedicated four sessions. Um, that is, if, you know, I know that Linda Lucarini is not going to have a lot of questions. But a very uninteresting topic. That's tonight. right. Just a very uninteresting very topic. Very but interesting at all. Um, we, uh, this, this was one of the, again, good evening. Welcome to Parkway Baptist Church. I'm Shelby Hazard. This is my lovely assistant, Igor. I'm kidding. This is Colton Ezer. Hey, I like that. It's a good nickname. <laughs> Igor. Yeah. And, um. Anyway, we uh, Parkway Baptist, and we launched out on this series back several months ago, polled the congregation for a lot of questions that they may have, you know, never asked before, always wondered and wanted to ask, and then they posed the questions to us, then we research on them and come back and give the best answer we can from the, from the scripture. And it's drug out a little bit longer than we expected, but uh, it's been good. We've gotten a lot of positive feedback. Um, on, I don't know on if it's the, been dragging the, out. It's like it's been... Wrong terminology. It's been ramping up. Wrong you know, terminology, I'm, ramping yeah. up. That's yes. good. That's yeah, good, man. man. I like that. I, I've been excited. I mean, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I've really enjoyed yeah, you know, wor- working through these yeah, questions. It has been. So one of the questions that was asked, what about... God, the Bible, the church, and politics. Can you believe that somebody in this church asked that question? Politics. Can you believe that? Mm. I was just shocked. So it just so happens that uh, that, that question is one that has been uh, asked for hundreds of years, yeah. uh, ever since Jesus came and said, render to Caesar. Uh, we've, been, uh, we've been grappling with that. And so uh, there is a theologian named Wayne Grudem, who I deeply admire and Colton deeply admires. He is what you call a conservative evangelical, which means he is very like-minded to us. I don't know if he's Baptist, but uh, but he's... he's, I think he is Baptist. He's definitely in our camp, for sure. Oh, absolutely. For sure. And he wrote an entire uh, book on this, and it is well-cited, well-researched, um, and I think you're really going to enjoy this. So that he's going to be our primary source. There it is right there. Thank you. If you would like to go out, and you said the hardback is available. You bought the hardback, right? Hey, the, the hardback is available not okay. on Amazon. It's on Christian Book is where I bought Christian it from. Christian Book, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would highly recommend you if you, as I said, the first month I was here when I rolled, those of you that were here, I rolled my little, whatever you call that thing, my little carousel down here and had all the books on it and I encouraged you to become a student of the word and to invest in, in, uh, in good, solid conservative commentaries uh, to build your library to be a student of the word of God. And this is, this is one that I would highly recommend uh, for you to get. <clears throat> he makes you really think. He does not. Uh, he does not sway away or dodge any important issues yeah, and things and, like that. And Grudem so. is really. Um, he has another very well-known book, Systematic Theology. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's written Systematic Theology, and um, it is very. Out of all of the you know technical books I've read, it's very uh, easy to understand. Uh, actually, and and when you grab it, you might be intimidated by it because it's it's huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could stop a robber with that thing, um, you know, just do the you know one two slap there. But uh, but it is a really uh, easy to understand, accessible book. I mean, he doesn't really go into super long, drawn out mm-hmm. explanations of these theological points. He kind of just gets down right to it and gives you exactly what you need to know. And so, yep. uh, another really good resource from him, systematic theology. So. Yep. Definitely. Yep. So, are y'all ready to begin this hot topic of politics in the Bible? So, the first thing we have in beginning. Did you do it? You did it. We have a survey. Oh, boy. We're going to survey you tonight. And so, here's what I want you to do, okay? This will be fun. So, we're going to have just a series of statements, 
and I want you to raise your hand if you agree with the statement, and I want you to keep your hand down if you disagree with the statement. So raise your hand, and if what? If you agree with the statement, and put your, keep your hand down if you disagree, okay? Just like a business meeting, it'll come naturally. We to are not going to participate, okay? Because I right. think that would give it away. So. Right. Can, can you vote on it? Just like <laughs> a good Baptist. No, we are not. Says, can we vote on it? Yes, we, we want to vote on everything, just, right? Just a casual show of hands. <laughs> That's right. And uh, you know, if you if your hand stays down and you're not participating, we'll just take that as a no vote. Okay. So here we go. So the first statement is: gov uh, Government should compel religion. Government should compel religion. What are your thoughts? Agree? Disagree? Okay. Okay. All right. All right. And, and also, you could you could uh, substitute for that word mandate force, etc. So yep. compel, mandate, force. Government should force, compel, mandate religion. You agree? Okay. Kay. You don't. You're changing. Okay. He's You're changing. He's changing. Tony, okay. you, did you ask a question or? Can I vote by mail in ballot? <laughs> yes. Yes, you can. Sure. To Shelby's sure. office. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have one of our mules bring you one. Okay. That's right. Okay. That's right. All right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 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 okay. Oh, right. that's good. Okay. Government should exclude religion. Government should exclude religion. Okay. Wow. All okay. Right. Okay. All government is evil mm. and demonic. All government. Don't you dare raise your <laughs> hand, Clara. Keep that hand. Hey, hey don't give them the answer. I'm okay. trying to help Clara out. <laughs> I think she was being facetious. She's one there. of our newer members here. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, do evangelism, not politics. Okay. okay. Do evangelism, not politics. And then the last one, do politics, not evangelism. <laughs> I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure that's pretty, uh, okay. <laughs> pretty straightforward there. All right. Okay. All right. So here's the answer. Wow. All those were we, wrong views. So we're being a little bit of uh, tricksters tonight. We are. That bit. was your idea. <laughs> it was pin, my idea. You with that one. <laughs> yeah. According to us, Walter, you got a problem with that? According to, no, to kidding, us Walter. and Walter, well, I'm just giving you a hard time. Well-researched Wayne Grudo. Yes, go ahead. Uh, okay, so government should compel religion. Uh, wrong view. These are again. These are all under the caveat of wrong views of Christian Christianity and government. Uh, government should exclude religion. All government is evil and demonic. Uh, do evangelism, not politics. Interesting. This was the one we had the most response out of, so mm -hmm. we're, we're going to dig into that one of, you know, some people who thought, okay, do evangelism, not politics. And to some degree, I would agree with you, but, but there's, some, there's some caveats in there that we're going to consider as well. Um, and then the, the, the last wrong view there, uh, do politics, not evangelism, obviously, is uh, incorrect. So, yes. On that one. So, are y'all ready? Now, if you got a question, Yes. Yeah, I think we're just simply considering, Raymond, um, do those worlds uh, exist at all together or, or should they not? So that's a good question because really what we're saying is, is should the world of government, should Christians be involved with that at all? 
or should they be? It's kind of that question of separation of church and state kind of is part of what we're talking about. And then how do we understand as believers, what does the Bible say about uh, politics and how we should respond and how we should be involved or not involved with politics? So that's a good question. And, and that's what we're considering is should they be separated or should they should there be some kind of working together there? Right. Uh, and so and to speak? You're, you're probably going to be deal with some frustration uh, through through this. But if, you're asked, if you ask questions every other statement that we do, we're never going to get through where we want to go. So just hang in there, and then when we get close to the end, if you've got a question, bring it up or jot it down, yeah. uh, and then, then we'll try idea. to answer it, okay? Yeah. So. Okay, so um, yeah, here the, the wrong view, number one, uh, government should compel religion. And again, uh, we like that word. We talked about this uh, today. The, the word compel sometimes can have that idea of pleading or a compassionate cry. Uh, really, what we're talking about here is, is should the government kind of mandate or force you uh, into a certain type of religion. Uh, the idea that civil government should compel people, mandate people to support or follow one particular religion is what we're discussing. This view has been held by many Christians throughout history. Um, and one example that's given here is uh, the Roman Catholic Church, uh, traditionally. And, you know, when we look back in history, we see definitely there are some compelling, uh, some forcing, some mandating uh, involved with that. And one example of that is the Thirty Years' War, 1618 to 48. Um, that began as a conflict between Protestants and Roman Catholics over control of territory in uh, Germany. Uh, also, uh, something that, so yeah, so I put the little caveat in there, government should, in parentheses, not compel religion, just so you have that there for you. Um, in the 16th century, the, reform, uh, the Reformed and Lutheran Protestants persecuted and killed thousands uh, from the Anabaptist group in Switzerland and Germany who sought to have churches for believers only and uh, practiced baptism by immersion for those who made a uh, personal profession of faith. Um, so this is kind of an interesting deal because you're thinking, if you're thinking like I was thinking, well, the Protestant church, don't they believe in baptism by immersion? And we do today, but when everything was still being nailed down and figured out, uh, there were still some, even some in the Protestant camp who believed that uh, you could baptize infants, mm -hmm. this type of thing. And the distinction with the Anabaptists is they believed you do not do baptism until you exercise faith. Right. So that was a major thing that was introduced, and that's why they were persecuted. Right, we've talked about this before. Reason. The two, two, two basic camps is the Pado baptist and the Credo-Baptist. Mm -hmm. We're Credo-Baptist, yep. which means that when we... We, we believe that you obviously like the, all the age of accountability that we that we evangelize, we evangelize, we evangelize, we evangelize as soon as they're able to hear and understand. But then the moment that they come under personal conviction and they believe and have faith, no matter what, what age that is, that's when they're baptized, not when they're born as infants. Okay, that's yeah. the difference between the two. Now, just to, to see if you know this, the persecution that happened between the reformers and the Anabaptists, does anybody know how they were killed? Take a wild guess. What? Drowning. Yes, they drowned them. That's exactly what they did. You want to be baptized? There you go. I mean, that's what, that's what they, seriously, that's what they did. And I'm not laughing about that, but that is, that is what they did. And today, uh, there is no known group which advocates uh, this view. So, 
Uh, And you can't really talk about this without bringing some history into it as well. So yeah, absolutely. Well, when we were talking about politics and and government and religion, you know, government, politics, and religion are as old as time, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, God set up his governance over the world, right? Okay, so I can really claim that it's uh, as old as time there. Um, Okay, other historical examples, the persecution of Christians by Roman uh, emperors uh, seeking to establish the Roman traditions and religion. One of the main reasons, people miss this, but one of the main uh, reasons historically that emperors persecuted Christians is because they believed that they they were messing up their uh, their religious traditions, mm-hmm. the Roman religious traditions, and they felt like if they were losing the Roman way of life, then the gods that they believed in would be angry uh, at them and would you know kind of curse them. Uh, and so anyway, so that's part of the reason that persecution happened was to try to force uh, these Christians at least into silence, um, but but uh, also who, into agreement. Who was the first deified emperor? The first emperor that the, that the Romans deified. Caesar Augustus, I heard it, yes, Caesar Augustus, very good. Yeah, yeah, so, and then you have the persecution of the Protestants by the Roman Catholic Church, uh, which, um, you know, we, we kind of are familiar with the history there. Um, many, many people were persecuted and killed uh, yep. for their belief. Yep. That people needed Bibles in their hands, that was one of the reasons, so. Yep. Um, Okay, so uh, modern day examples, countries that still compel or force religion, uh, Saudi Arabia, laws punish those who do not follow Islam and prohibits any other religion from being practiced. You see, that kind of changes your perspective when you think about it like that, doesn't it? I mean, you think about, well, well, well why, wouldn't, why wouldn't we want a government to compel Christianity because Christianity is, is true, we want people to be saved and so forth, but take Christianity out of the mix. I mean, fast forward 150 years and what happens if America turns all Islamic, which is completely possible? What happens then? Then you've got a government that's Islamic that forces Islam on its people. Do you see that? that that's, that's, why, that's why this is a, a tricky situation. Yeah, and, and the other big thing we're going to talk about, we're going to get to this, but so I'll just hit on it very briefly. But also, if our country in America, if we, through the government's, through the government's authority, if we force people to convert to Christ, um, many, 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 many of those conversions, I would dare say all of them would, well, probably not all of them, but many of them would be false conversions. Mm. Not genuine faith would be exercised there, right? And so, really, we'd be setting up a heretical system saying, well, if you're a part of our clique, then you're, yeah. you know, then you're saved. And, and no, what are we saved through? Only by faith in the grace that Christ has ex- extended to us through the cross and resurrection. So, um, let's see. Um, persecution of Christians result from these laws in Pakistan. Uh, Islamic warfare against Christians in Nigeria, Sudan, and other African countries. Um, so again, so that's where a government, which which you would call a um, a theocracy, right? A theocracy, as Israel was, but this is a different. This is not Yahweh worship. This would be Islamic worship. So they are forcing conversion at the threat of what? Death. Put a sword to your throat, confess Muhammad as your prophet, or you die. And so a lot of people do, did, and a lot of people don't. And what, he, what Colton is saying is that in those situations, chances are it's not a real conversion. They're just saying they will to keep you from killing them. And deep inside their hearts, they probably don't believe that. It's the same thing if you saw the movie, um, what was it called? Uh, with um, what? Silence. Si- silence? 
No, I was, th- I was thinking of uh, the kingdom of heaven with Orlando Bloom, what was about the Crusades, when Salah mm-hmm. Hadim yep. destroyed Jerusalem, and that one monk told everybody, okay, well, we'll just, we'll all convert to, to Islam, and the next week we'll go back to being Christians, you know, to, to save all their lives. I mean, that's, that's what Colton's saying. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, in the early years of the U.S., uh, support for freedom of religion increased, both because of a need to uh, form a united country with people from uh, religion, uh, religious backgrounds, and because many of the colonists had fled from religious persecution in their home countries. I really, uh, the fact that there was not religious freedom um, in Europe is what really led to the discovering, uh, you know, or at least the, the going out to America, not discovering, but, but going out to America to form colonies uh, as well. In New England, pilgrims had fled because they faced fines and imprisonment for failing to attend services in the Church of England and uh, for conducting their own services. How would, you, how would you like that here in the United States, here at Parkway Baptist Church? Everybody that's on the membership roll, me and Colton and your staff, we determined that we're going to begin to find people and, 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 have, and have a little, get the deacons to, you know, to show up at your house in the nighttime and drag you outside and beat you up if you don't come to church. How would you like that? Would that go over well? No, absolutely not. That's, but that, but that's, what, that's what this is saying. So go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. That's the, the realm of what we're talking about. And at least... In attendance would be better. That, that was one of the. That's comments. exactly right. Free will attendance would be much. better. The attendance better. would be better. The uh, the uh, mode of worship would be very uh, humdrum. I would imagine, <laughs> very very lackluster. I will be there. We'll be there. We'll be there, brother. Shepard. We'll be there. Much fear and trembling, not in the good sense. Um, okay, yeah. So continuing with government should not compel religion. Uh, in 1779, just uh, three years after the Declaration of Independence, uh, Thomas Jefferson drafted the Virginia Act for establishing religious freedom, which demonstrated the increasing support for religious freedom in uh, the U.S., which is, again, a beautiful uh, piece of uh, law uh, that was put in place in America. Uh, be it therefore enacted by the General Assembly that no man shall be compelled to frequent or support any religious worship, place, or ministry whatsoever, nor shall be forced, restrained, molested, or burdened in his body or goods, nor shall otherwise suffer uh, on account of his religious opinions or beliefs, but that all men shall be free to uh, profess and by argument to maintain uh, their opinions in matter of religion, and that the same shall in no, uh, no wise diminish, enlarge, or affect their civil capacities. So just a demonstration there for you of, mm-hmm. of kind of what we're talking about. Um, so I added a, actually added a slide here from yeah. uh, Andrew T. Walker. He's a, a professor at Southern, and I really liked this. He said this in actually one of his um, lectures that we were uh, going through. How a nation relates to religion is one of the most important things that the nation can say about itself because it is an act of revelation about what the nation and state believes about its powers over matters of religion, whether it has the mandate, jurisdiction, or the competency to get involved in matters of religion, and if that government understands itself as being limited or having sovereign power. So this is really important. Government, and and this statement's really important, government's power is derived and temporal and is limited. What does that mean? The government's power is derived. Where is it derived from? Okay, the people, but let's, let's think even deeper. Where, where is the government's ultimate power derived from? The Lord, right? 
They would not even exist as a government if God had not ordained it, if God had not allowed it. And this is where you see in scripture often that God sits on his throne and he looks at the the nations, right? And he laughs. He laughs at them because of their, 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 their fighting, their infighting, and their, their wrangling for power. And he laughs because there is nothing compared to his authority, his power, his greatness. But uh, Andrew goes on. I, I really like this. When we look at how God has ordained government in scripture, uh, it is limited. It is not unlimited in its scope of power. They do not uh, mediate or uh, a saving rule. Nowhere in the New Testament are we given the mandate to use the powers of the state to advance God's mission. Rather, we are to live quiet, peaceful lives within the government so that we might put uh, forth a good testimony. Now that, I think, is a great summation of understanding the relationship between us as believers and how we operate in the government. Now, when you see the quiet, peaceful lives, that is biblical. That, that is from a bi- biblical viewpoint. Yes. But that doesn't always mean that we can't speak and that we shouldn't speak out. So I don't want you to see that and think that there's never a time that we should say, say something. And certainly something about the gospel, right? You have to actually open your mouth and say words for the gospel to be communicated, okay? So I'm not, that, that, that statement he's making isn't saying that. Yeah, he's it saying, doesn't mean that you don't speak out against injustice and things like that. Right. I mean, he's saying just, the good conduct of your life. The regular week, day in, day out of your life should be ordered and obedient and, and quiet and peaceful. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. All right, man, what do you think? So- uh, yeah, just read the scripture. This is probably one of the, uh, one of the most uh, interesting, if you've got your Bible, go to Matthew 22. And this is probably one of the most interesting thing that, things that Jesus says uh, in, his, in, in his life uh, while he was here on earth about the, uh, the realms of God and, and Caesar. Um, in fact, I, I can remember being in seminary and talking at the time I was at Travis Avenue Baptist Church and the guy that was the, uh, uh, the treasurer there, we were grappling, we were having some money issues at the time and uh, there was some talk on campus that ministers could actually opt out of paying social security uh, or, or some federal tax, that you could do that, fill out some paperwork and be absolved of that. And the guy that was uh, the finance guy at the church, he advised me and another friend of mine against that. He said, no, I, I wouldn't do that. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, well, the Bible's very clear that, that you're, a, I mean, you're, you're a U.S. citizen and therefore you, know, you should pay taxes and contribute what, to what's reasonable for what the government asks you to do. And it made me change my mind right there on the spot because I really I thought he was right about that. Mm-hmm. So if you look at Matthew 22, what happens here? The Pharisees. We'll, we'll just uh, we'll go up and just go through the whole thing here. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his talk, meaning Jesus. And that's what they do all the time: is try to get him twisted up, and they never could. And they sent their disciples to him along with Herodians. Has got their you know tag teaming him with some with some Herodians. Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully and you do not care about anyone's opinion for you are not swayed by appearances. Wow, that built him up pretty big, didn't it? Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. So in other words, he asked them to probably reach in where? in their pockets and pull out a coin, a Roman coin, so that they've got money in their pockets. And they brought in the denarius and Jesus says to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. 
Then he said to them, therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. That's profound. That is absolutely profound. You know, what I've always found really interesting here is there's, there's, a, there's a double play to what Jesus says. You know, he says, render to Caesar what's Caesar's, right? That, that coin, okay, give it to Caesar, whatever, you know. And uh, he doesn't say it like I said it there. But anyway, um, but the interesting thing is, is the very image of God is on that coin. It's Caesar's, Caesar's being, Caesar's face. See, we are made in the image of God. Caesar is made in the image of God. He can't escape that. We can't escape that. Nobody can escape that. And so I really think here there's this interesting play of words for Jesus where he's saying, yeah, give that coin back to Caesar and hey, by the way, render yourselves to God because you're made in the image of God. He's made in the image of God. I I think that that's a really a, a possible link that Jesus is saying there. Of course, because he's saying, you give that to Caesar and render to God what's God's. What is he, why is he saying that? I think he's saying it because the image that's implanted there, is, it is God's man made in his image. So mm-hmm. anyway, I think that's really interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. so you basically got what, what the, the point he's making here is that there's, there's two spheres. There's the governmental sphere and then there's the religious life of the people of God. Um, and that's, you know, it's, it's like the same thing. We're, we're a saint, but at the same time, we're what? We're a saint yet center exactly so, so it's like we have one foot on earth one foot in heaven i mean we we are we we live in the united states of america we are protected by uh civil and federal government we we, we like to think we are anyway <laughs> who knows how much longer that may last yeah um i used to love that that uh bumper sticker my dad had it on his car it said uh you can have my gun you can you finish it when you pry it from my cold fingers. <laughs> I used to love that bumper sticker. But uh, so anyway, th- there are two different spheres. Uh, in Jesus' statement about God and Caesar, he established the broad outlines of a new order in which the things that are God's are not to be under the control of the civil government or Caesar. Such a system is far different from the, from the Old Testament theocracy that was used for the people of Israel. And that is very true. There's a big difference there. Jesus' new teaching implies that all civil governments, even today, should give people freedom regarding the religious faith that they follow. Yeah. So I don't know if there's any more follow-up on that we need. So. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I think one thing, just, and, and I'll just throw this out there and mm-hmm. you guys can think on it, but I think one major place that we see this playing out in our context today is, um, and we could have conversations about this after the sessions if you want to, but the placement of mosques in our, mm. in our cities, in our towns, and, and what is that, what, how are we supposed to approach that as believers? Should we rage and cry out? Uh, you know, that's very difficult. I'm, I'm sitting here acknowledging to you that that's, that's, that's an uncomfortable topic, right? The, the fact that we have a... a um, pretty much a center for uh, Muslims that's in Nashville, I think there's one in Murfreesboro too, that's pretty much a functioning mosque. Uh, I had to research this stuff, you know, and so it's, it's yeah, and there's, uh, is there a mosque in Smyrna? Okay, and then there's a Buddhist temple, I'm sure you've passed it on yep. oh, uh, Nashville. Old Nashville, mm-hmm. and so we, we have to wrestle with those things. Should we as believers, again, should we rage and, and fight with, uh, you know, going to the town halls, you know, and packing it out and rallying to say, no, we're not going to. And you have the Muslims sitting over there and they're, they're, seeing, they're seeing everything we're doing, right? And so we have to be careful and sensitive how we approach that, okay? 
That's that's an interesting. I feel I feel like that's an interesting point too, an example yeah. of of that. It Tony, is. did you have something? I was going to say the problem with Islam is it's not just a religion. Right. It's a religion. It's a form of government. Oh yeah. It, and yeah. Unlike Christianity, it's not real. Yeah, the caliphate. It's 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 different, no doubt. So it's, it's so much different. It's not apples to apples. Right. It, 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 exactly, does. It, it does. It does. I mean, that, that's why you know when when after the terrorist attacks happened, that they were um, they were profiling, you know, and and there was a lot of stuff in the news about you know Arab-looking people getting on planes, and they were they were being you know profiled by FBI and people like that. Yeah. But 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 you can't help that. I mean I mean yeah. the fact of the matter is that ideology believes that killing as many people as possible in the name of Allah wins them eternal glory. And, and, and so there has to be, you know, there, there has to be yeah. some form of accountability on that because you never know when, you never know how, and you, never, you just never know. And, and here's the thing is, does every, you know, just, just, and again, we're showing the complexity here. Because if we just tell, teach you all this stuff and we don't talk about sometimes the, the application, then we're just going to go out here and be like, oh, we have some more knowledge in our heads. But, but this, is, this is difficult, right? Because is, does every Muslim believe that? No, I spoke to a Muslim not too long ago that I'm certain doesn't believe that. And so, again, we, we have to wrestle with, and, and here's the thing. My thing is, I want that Muslim that I talk to to know Christ and to know him in the right way, right? I want, I want that person to, to not just believe he's a prophet, but to believe that he is truly the Messiah. That's the key, because you talk yeah. to him. Right. Right. But they don't believe that he's the son of God. Right. Right. That's right. Yeah. So. That's right. Yeah. So that th that shows you kind of the difficulty we're talking about here. I talked to a Muslim once and he asked me if I'd read the Quran. And I said yes. And I said, Have you read the Bible? No. I mm -hmm. said, I will get you a Bible. Yeah. I got him a Bible and gave him an Arabic Bible. Well, in fact, they're supposed to read the Bible. So. Yeah, I mean, they're supposed to read the Gospels. They're supposed to read uh, Moses, uh, the Pentateuch. They're supposed to read those things. Um, so at least that's what their that's what their traditional religion says. Yes, sir. Again, the the statement because it is true that in the Quran there is a call for military action and these types of things and jihad. Yeah, and so you know this would this this is the very thing that we're saying we should not do, 
right? Where I mean, because was the Roman Catholic Church any better back? And I'm I'm saying back in the no. medieval days, right? That's no. that's caveat there. That was the Thirty Years' War. I mean, that's what you just we just talked right, about. and many people died as a result of that. And so it's forcing yeah. forcing their set of, of of traditions that that's the issue. That's the whole issue. All this is about. Yep, absolutely. Uh, yeah, the next one uh, is okay. yes, Ron. I didn't well, we know need that. to vote that down. Yeah, that needs to be voted down because, because the law that we just that he that we just read about a little while ago says that whatever religious faith you have should not be counted against you for things like that. Well, and there's an example here. That very slide where we said do evan- uh, do evangelism, not politics. We said that's wrong, and that's the very reason I'm saying. Right. Right, and so I'm simply, I'm, I'm agreeing with you and saying that's why we said that do evangelism, not politics, is wrong. That, that we, as believers, we do need to have some kind yes. of connection input, to uh, politics. Input into politics, yes. Absolutely. You need to vote for it, is what you're saying. Okay. Yes. I, I misunderstood what you said. <laughs> that's the risk you're yeah, well, that's, that's, yeah. Then you get out, if, if somebody like that is running, then you get out and you try to influence everybody to vote against him or her and don't put them in there. You go and you visit the Satanist priest and you tell him about Jesus. Yeah. That's what you do. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, go to the next one. Okay, Not today, Here, here's, a, here's probably one of the best pieces of evidence in the Bible uh, where we see Jesus, where he had an opportunity where the apostles were wanting to bring vengeance and judgment upon a people group for not responding to Jesus. And Jesus said, no, you're not doing that. We just looked at this not too many weeks ago. But Jesus refused to try to compel people to believe in him. So another incident in Christ's life shows how he opposed the compelled religion view. In Luke 9, go there right quick, if you got your Bible. We we just preached on, I mean, we just Mm -hmm. preached on this not too long ago. It was the wrath, remember remember the name of the uh, message? The wrath of the Zebedee brothers? Okay, I thought y'all remember that. The wrath of the sons of thunder. The, yeah, the wrath of Boom. the sons of thunder. Let's see, Luke 9. No, wait a minute. Wait, wait. I'm in John. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, now I'm still going the wrong way. Luke 9. There we go. Uh, I'll get there in just a second. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them and said no. Then they went on to another village because if fire had come down and consumed them, that may have uh, convinced those that didn't get consumed to do what? Believe in Jesus, right. But Jesus said, no, don't do that. a few more in... uh points in here go ahead 
Oh, it's okay. I just uh, yeah. The disciples apparently thought they had an excellent way to convince people to come hear Jesus, right? Agree or burn. <laughs> yeah, agree or burn. Jesus directly refused any attempt to try to force people to believe in him or follow him. So, and I thought a good example of this was John uh, John six. Um, particularly 26 and 27. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you remember in John 6, the, the people, uh, Jesus feeds the people, then he goes to the other side of the, the sea, and the people, they, they, they look for him, and they find him, and they're like, where did you go, Jesus? And, and you know, he's basically like, look, I tell you, you, you didn't come seeking me uh, because of who I am or what I can do. You came seeking me because you wanted your tummies filled. Mm-hmm. And, and so this is, those are hard words. Like Jesus wasn't begging anyone to follow him. Uh, he was telling them the truth. Um, and that's what I think is so beautiful about Christ's approach. Um, and in fact, even I have uh, John six fifteen noted there as well. And this is when the people tried to force Jesus. So not even like, they, they, they're liking what Jesus is saying, they're liking what Jesus is doing, and so, uh, you know, what do they do? They try to force Jesus to be king, right? And so if, if Jesus is trying to set up that kind of deal, then he would have been all for that, right? You don't got to force me, I'll, I'll go, let's go do it right now, you know? But that wasn't Jesus' mission, that wasn't his call, uh, his plan to take over through government, right? Uh, his, his plan was that he was the Messiah to come to uh, serve and to be yeah. crucified. Yeah, we we have. Have you ever tried to force somebody to love you? When you was in high school, did you ever have a girl that you're really interested in, and you just tried, really tried to make her love you? I did that, and it failed miserably. Check like every yes time. or no. But when I finally <laughs> gave up and I said, "Lord, bring me somebody," Aunt Love came walking in, no, and she has no. It'd be right. it'd be check yes or yes. Check yes or yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't force it. So that genuine faith, y'all, listen to this very carefully. Genuine faith cannot be forced. Nope. Where does genuine faith come from? God and the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, exactly. So genuine religious belief cannot be compelled by force, whether by fire from heaven or by the force of civil government. And Christians should have no part in any attempt to use government power to compel people to support or follow Christianity or any other religion. I mean, that's just, it, go ahead to the next one. It's not a worldly kingdom, John eighteen thirty six. you just touched on that. Mm-hmm. Jesus refused to have his disciples fight with swords and military power because he was not attempting to establish an earthly kingdom like the Roman Empire or the various other nations in the history of the world. Earthly kingdoms are established by armies and military power, but Jesus' kingdom comes through faith and obedience to him. And one of the most incredible things that that we do as the church of Jesus Christ is that we openly embrace what? Persecution and injustice upon us, right? Obviously, we speak truth, okay? But, But when persecution comes... People, the outside world looks at us and they see us rejoice, as the Bible says, rejoice when you are persecuted because they did the same thing the prophets came before you. The outside world looks and goes, how in the world, how in the world can he be wearing a smile on his face going through what he's going through? 
It's because we have Christ in our heart and we know that this world and this place is not our home. There's another place that's much better that we're going to when this world ends. Yeah, and, and, and thinking about this, not a worldly kingdom and the upside down kingdom, kind of sometimes as we refer to it with Christ, um, it's really beautifully portrayed in Mark 10 uh, when uh, James and John make their request and they're not even bold enough to go up to Jesus themselves they have their mom they like push their mom out there mom you do it you you ask you know I mean just such a cowardly move there in my opinion but uh, so she makes this request and you know you remember the story asking can you drink this cup that I'm gonna drink and they say yes I can and he says yes you will uh, which basically means you will you'll go by the same way of persecution that I do uh, and so that's the statement he's making but but coming down to the statement he makes beginning in 41 to 45 shows us this upside down kingdom then that Christ wasn't coming to establish a worldly kingdom, uh, but he was coming to establish God's kingdom uh, in verse 41 there, starting there. And when the 10 heard it, they, be, uh, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know that those who are, who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever, uh, whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. How incredible that Christ didn't come to dominate uh, in that sense, but he came to defeat Satan through, through service and sacrifice. Yeah, it just goes against every 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 like natural in inclination that you have. Right. What that passage says. Yeah. The uh, practical implications of rejecting the compel religion view. Uh, one implication is that government should never attempt to force people to follow or believe in one specific religion, but should guarantee freedom of religion for followers of all religions within the nation. Another implication is that Christians in every nation should support freedom of religion and oppose any attempt by government to compel any single religion. Uh, some critics suggest that right-wing Christians are trying to establish a, the a theocracy in the United States by incremental means. To counter this kind of false accusation, it is important for Christians involved in politics to affirm again and again their commitment to complete religious freedom in America and every other country. A third implication has to do with governments giving direct financial support to one church as an established state church, okay? That's not happening in the United States. The closest thing that probably came to that uh, with George Bush, uh, the, the son, do y'all remember when he, when he first got into office, he put this huge faith-based initiative uh, package together, do y'all remember that? And what he did was, was he offered, it was either, it was either uh, forgivable loans or grants or something because he was a real big believer in faith-based operations across the United States that they really brought an intrinsic good value to the communities. Now, I don't, I don't think it's, it's operating anymore, but, uh, but he did that. I remember, I remember yeah. specifically when he did that. Because yeah. we, we, had, we, had, um, we had churches in the Mississippi Delta that applied for it, uh, other churches and, and other organizations that applied for it and got it. Yeah. Such action, state-sponsored church, was prohibited in the U.S. government by the First Amendment. Government shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion where an establishment of religion meant giving governmental support for only one church, the established church. An established church does still exist in some countries. Did you know that? It does. United Kingdom is the Church of England. 
Scandinavian countries, Norway and Sweden, have the Lutheran Church, countries with highly Catholic populace in Spain. In Germany, church taxes are assessed on, on Catholic Protestantism, Catholic, Protestant, sorry, and Jewish wage earners up to 8 or 9% of their total income. How would you like that? How would you like to pay a tax on your, on your church involvement? I'd rather pay a tithe, amen? Sounds yeah. better to me. Yeah. The state then disperses these funds to the churches to be used for social services. Can you believe that actually exists? It's crazy to think about. Yeah. What about tax benefits to churches? Hallelujah, amen. Mm -hmm. No specific denomination or religion is given preferential treatment. Baptist churches receive these benefits, but so do Buddhist temples, Jewish synagogues, Roman Catholic churches, and Muslim mosques, like you were talking about. Yep. The reason for this preferential tax treatment for churches and other charities is that the society has decided that in general, in general, charitable organizations such as churches do much good for the society as a whole. Do you believe that? Absolutely. No question about it no matter what the opposite opposing side says you would not have the medical industry you have in this nation as fouled up as it is right now the beginnings of it were pure and wonderful and we would not have the health care we have in this country if it were not for christians back yep. several hundred years ago yep absolutely the spiritual influence behind the compelled religion view by compelling religious belief this viewpoint tends to destroy true christian faith in two ways if it compels people to follow a non-Christian religion, such as Hinduism in India or Islam in many other nations, then it often leads to violently suppressing Christians and aims at driving Christianity out of a nation. Where did that happen in the Bible? The book of Acts at the very beginning, the first eight chapters. That's what Saul was trying to do, was to stamp out Christianity and get it out of there, okay? It happens. If it attempts to compel people to become Christians, then it also tends to drive out true Christianity because the opportunity to choose freely to become a Christian is removed from people's lives. Now, we know that it's really not, but from a worldly perspective, if you don't have a church on the street corner, then technically the church is not there. But we know spiritually that there's always a church somewhere, most likely. Yeah, I think this is a really important point, too, though, because, again, if you, if you feel forced... Right, and I think, I think the, uh, the opposite that we experience today is if people that we engage with and try to share the gospel with, if they feel sales pitched, you know, then they feel like a product, they feel like, uh, you know, a dollar sign rather than, you know, just, just a, a check mark on your agenda rather than a compelling, compassionate love. You're being driven by a love for this individual person because you're convinced that if they don't know Christ, then the, a peril awaits them in eternity. And so, you know, in the same sense with this forced hand kind of thing, um, it's, it, what he's saying here is it completely squelches and kills any genuine faith um, and, and any semblance of wanting to investigate this faith. Because forcing someone to believe what I believe is, is totally opposed, which we've already seen, to what Christ did, right? Because again, in John 6, he, he, he gave them hard words. They said, these are hard truths, Lord. And he, he didn't make any qualms about it. When they started to leave, he didn't get down on his knees. Oh, please come back. He didn't do that, did he? He said, this is the truth and this is what it takes to follow. And many of them left. So, yeah. yeah. So I think we're at the end of this one. Um, hit hit your, that. Yeah. What, so oh, what, oh, sh what oh, should whoa. we believe about this view? We've got about, uh, it's about 647. We've got time for a few questions that we can maybe start the next one or we can save it for next Wednesday. So talk, ask questions. Yes, Chuck. 
how do you go about spreading the Jesus, the news about Jesus, in an effort to get people in the church? Well, now, right way. Right. Now, what we're saying, because that, this is, that's, it's an easy thing to get this kind of backwards. Nobody is saying that the church of Jesus Christ and Christians can't go out and compel people to become believers. Yeah. We're saying that the government, the government should not go out and favor Christianity and try to compel people to become Christians. That's what yeah. we're saying. Now, so we're always going to do it. I mean, that's our job. Our job is Matthew 28, Acts 1-8. Our job is to go out and compel the whole world to become Christians. And, oh, go ahead. Right, that's what I'm saying. So, th so what we're saying is, is that a wrong view of the government and the faith is to say that the government should compel people to become Christians or follow Christianity. Yeah. Right? Isn't that what we're saying? Yeah. Yes? Okay. What word would I use? I would say, hey, do you, are you a person of faith? Yes, no. Okay, if you are, uh, I would like you to come to Parkway Baptist Church and, and, uh, and come and meet our people and experience worship with us and get to know me, get to know our staff and our staff families and yeah. hear the Word of God preached and come to our Sunday school classes and our Wednesday night Bible studies and come join us on mission. Yeah, and, and I think if they're not a believer, then I think that uh, one really good tool to use is to ask good questions. When you ask good questions, it tells the person that you're interested in their life, that you're genuinely want to know them, you yeah. know, well, well oh, oh, so you're not a believer, what, what do you believe? I'm curious, you know, and, and give them a chance to share what they believe, and then you can start a real dialogue with them uh, on, on what you believe, so hopefully if you respect them enough to hear what they believe, then, then they'll respect you enough to share what you believe, and then you can have a real dialogue and not something that's aggressive and, you know, uh, you know biting at each other kind of thing, and, and then you leave and you've ruined your witness there. So What we're saying is like the state of Tennessee. Do you have to be a Christian to relocate to the state of Tennessee? Right. That's what we're saying. What if the governor of Tennessee said, at this particular time, the only people that can move to Tennessee are professing Christians? You'd have a riot. Exactly. That, that's yeah. what I'm saying. So government should not compel religion. What does that say about... about communist countries that don't want any religion the government is the religion what does it say about that yeah what is it what does he say you know that's you know they well, don't want they don't want christianity buddhism muslim any of it they well want no they, religion because they want the state to be they the want religion. they want their government to be god to them is what they that's, want exactly and so they're right. still advocating a religion it's just I it's think, just, it's hey a, tony if you if you hold up on that mic a little bit bring your hand up move your hand bit. up a little bit there, there you go, go. The, the, the wireless the wireless receiver is on the end of the microphone so okay so anyway that was just because you we're see compelling that, you to use the microphone you see, the you see that all over the place you know we're different different countries for years the Soviet Union wanted no religion yeah they were anti any religion because it interfered with the state mm -hmm. right you know so and Chuck what you're talking about is you're talking about we're, uh, witnessing the people you know it like Shelby said, if you ask them the question, you know, are you are you a professing believer? What do you believe? And there's a song out there, Big Daddy Weave did it, says, if you die tonight, where will you be? Where will your soul spend eternity? 
scare the living bejesus out of me. Maybe. <laughs> well, it's Hopefully true. Hopefully scared him into you, though, know, we are we The reason we want to go out and talk to these people is because we want, we're, it, it should it should make your heart cry that they don't believe. Yeah, amen. Because you know they're condemned to a life away, separated from God afterwards, an eternity away from God. Yeah, yeah. I want to make sure that you know we we uh, cover this well, as particularly for you, Chuck. We're we're saying believers, you individually and me individually. I'm convinced. I believe with every fiber of my being that there, there was a man that came on this earth named Jesus who is God the Son, fully God, fully man, who came to save sinners. And he did it. And he died on the cross for all those who would believe and trust in him and be saved. And he rose on the third day and, and we have victory in him when we trust in him. And so that belief should compel me to, I mean, I remember walking in the church one day and there was a car sitting out in the parking lot and, um, you know, and I figured they were playing Pokemon Go. Some of you have heard this story before. Um, but I'm walking in, and I, I had thought I should go talk to them. And, and I just kind of, like, brushed it off. I was like, ah, that'd be awkward. You know, they're sitting there doing their own thing. And so I walked in, and I was like, if you truly believe that if they don't know Christ, if they don't know my Lord, that they will spend eternity in hell if nobody else ever said anything to them about Jesus. You're going to turn back around. You're going to go out there right now. And that was the Holy Spirit, I'm convinced. <laughs> and so I, I, I told it right back out there. And I was like, I don't know how uncomfortable this is going to be, but I'm going to talk to these guys. And so, and it was, it was very awkward. And, uh, you know, because I knocked on the window and they rolled down the window and there's two guys, they were playing Pokemon Go. And, uh, you know, two grown men. So that was a little weird, just that in general. And, and I was like, hey, like, you know, I just wanted you to know, speaking about approach and how we approach this too, I was like, hey, you know, I uh, just wanted you guys to know you're hanging out in our parking lot. We're, I just wanted you guys to know that we're all about Jesus in this church. And I don't know if you know Jesus, but, but we believe that he's our savior, our Lord. He loves us and we want to tell everybody about him. And I'd love just to kind of uh, tell you a little bit about him. And so, we, you know, I just kind of talked a little bit for a minute to them and, and I could tell that they were so, their eyes were like as big as like fly's eye. They were so like just terrified, I guess. And I was just like, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave you just this little flyer with a gospel presentation on it. You take that. And if you have any questions, we had our contact stuff on the back. And I was like, you have a nice day. So, but anyway, I, yeah, I think that our belief should be what is compelling us, our faith compelling us to share the gospel, not the government. Right. And so that's all we're saying. That's right. I think, I think it helps for Linda sure. Linda Lucarini has her hand up, flip that around like the Queen of England or something over there. <laughs> I have a little bit of a different approach sometimes. Okay. <clears throat> you can have that. You can have I, a different approach. You know that I'm on social media a lot. Mm -hmm. and, I haven't noticed that at all. I always, always have a Bible verse or whatever, mm -hmm. but there are so many people in this world that have nobody that cares yeah. You yeah. know, yeah, and I have taken the approach sometimes that a church home can make all the difference oh, in the yeah. world. So what that does is that that gives an opportunity that oh, there's somebody there that would really care. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and you know, then that opens the door to them seeing Jesus in other people. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go straight to. 
you're going to hell if you don't do this. Yeah. You know, you don't yeah. have to go there first. Yeah. Right. No, you, you don't. can go with love and go with look what this can bring you to. Sure. You yeah. know, look, look what a difference this can make in your life because I have people, cousins way on down, who are so lost it is unbelievable. Yeah. And I had one approach me the other day and say, this is going to make you mad, what I'm going to say. And I said, no, it's not going to make me mad. Yeah. I said, you just don't have the facts. That's the yeah. way I answered it. But so they want to argue with you, but and I think one of the things that we're seeing tonight is it says, don't go with that attitude. Don't yeah. go argument, yeah. argument, arguing yeah. about and I, Christ. I hope that, you know, what I said, I, I didn't want it to be misunderstood. The conviction of the truth in my own internal dialogue led me back to them. But certainly I didn't okay. start with, I, I didn't, you know, like, you're going to hell. You know, that, you well, know, and I'm not saying yeah. your approach yeah. was wrong either. I'm just saying there are a lot, we're all different, yeah. you know, and sure. there are a lot of different approaches. And old grandmothers have different approaches than young creatures yeah. yeah you know and here and here's the cool thing just a cool story to illustrate what you're saying in college we um i, I don't think she would mind me mentioning her name none of you know her anyway uh keely I, I was an intern at new vision the college group and keely was an intern as well and uh we were we were debating actually one day on you know the approaches of evangelism and i was like no 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 and I was like even younger, right? I was even, you know, I was like, no, no, you got to get in there and you got to right away, man, you got to, you got to present the gospel without fear. Like, come on now, what are you talking about? Cause she was just like, I think if you kind of come to them, you know, befriend them, you know, that kind of thing, I think you can win like talking to them a little more. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You know, I was just so full of passion and fury and fire. And I was just like, you gotta, you gotta present Jesus right away. And uh, it was so funny because who was winning more people to Christ? Keely. I, it was only it was it was kind of a little bit I was like you know a little bit of holy jealousy because we're like we had these moments of um, when people could give their testimonies of how they came to Christ recently it was recent converts in the college group and so almost incessantly every time it was more women than guys which was a you know you know kind of a condemnation on the guys there right <laughs> but like you know or uh, you know just a rebuke for the guys but but all these ladies who would come up they would they'd start into their testimonies kind of where they came from in their past and a little bit about their family that kind of deal and inevitably almost every time they would be like yeah and then i met keely and i was like okay here we go again <laughs> you know? and keely had been, befriended them and incessantly invited them to church and then they were exposed to god's word and so so yes a very good approach to we shouldn't neglect that to say hey just the loving hand of i want to be your friend I'd love for you to come to church, you know, and, and that can definitely be a great approach. So, yeah. Yep. We are almost out of time, so we'll stop there. View number two that we will look at next, uh, next Wednesday is, according to this view, religious beliefs should never be mentioned in governmental functions or own government property and should never play a role in decision-making process in politics or government. And that is a wrong view, okay? So be thinking about that. Come with questions for next week. Did we, did we pass out the prayer sheets? Oh, uh, yeah, we did. We did. Okay, let's yep. look at that. Uh, a couple announcements while Colton is getting that. Uh, don't forget, guys, we have our men's breakfast this Saturday uh, from 9 till 11. And uh, Brother Howard will be cooking as usual for us. And I think I'm going to uh, speak this, this Saturday. And then we have Fall Festival also this coming Saturday. Uh, beginning at 4, is that right? From 4 to 6 or 4 to 7? I think or it's 4 to 6. 4 to 6, 4 to six. okay. Yeah. And I, uh, you can jump in and participate. 
You can talk to Clayton or Carol if you want to jump in and participate there anywhere we'd like to. Then we also have this Sunday, I believe we have a baby shower for the stutters. Is that correct? Baby shower for the stutters. Okay. I believe it's a diaper shower, if I'm not mistaken. And diapers are a blessing from God. Can I get a witness? That was a pretty weak witness. Okay. Okay. Um, here, I'll give you, I'll yep. be looking at this one. Um, so, uh, just uh, Chuck Dillon's on here uh, for back issues. I'll be praying for you, brother. Just uh, strengthening and healing uh, for the back there. Um, we got Darlene Dalton on here. Uh, Lisa put her on here. Doing well. Uh, prayer for continued recovery, of course. We want to be praying for our sister there. Um, and then uh, Walter put on here, Lori Cantrell, uh, under the weather, um, no choir practice. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, we need to keep praying for our brother Jack, um, continuing to recover from uh, double pneumonia, okay? So, and, and what was that? Yeah, he's still in the hospital and he's in room 318. Yeah. Um, he, he is, uh, uh, Jerry has been giving me updates and it looks like he's slowly slowly getting better so that's a good thing uh, also tim Alines um told me we I talked to him last week and he is ready he wants everybody to know do y'all know what's going on with tim he's got some prostate his prostate numbers are not good and so he is asking for everyone to uh to remember him in prayer uh things are still okay i mean the, the numbers are not like dangerous or anything like that but they're just watching it really close and uh so he just wants you to be praying for him and just remember him and that and their family as they uh, as they d deal with this over the next several weeks and months. So, yeah, absolutely. Anything else? I think that's it. Unless anyone has anything else. Anything else? Yes, Linda. Linda. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, that was my fault. I, yeah, Ed Garner uh, continued health issues. We just need to pray for him. He had surgery not too long ago. It went well, um, but he he's just got multiple things going on. So please remember uh, remember Ed Ed Garner. So a new chemo. New chemo. Okay. Okay. Walter. Okay. So recovery for DJ Barnett. Okay. All right, why don't you start and I'll finish. Okay. Uh, let's pray, guys. Lord, thank you so very much for this evening. Um, God, I, I plead with you as, as we continue to do this Wednesday night series and just Wednesday nights in general, Lord, I pray that you would, um, you would uh, put it in the minds and the hearts of our congregation members to see, uh, see with eyes of favor on what we're doing on Wednesday night. Uh, Lord, we're not just... Uh, uh, kicking around and joking around and, and playing. We do enjoy and have fun, but Lord, you know and you see, uh, I have a clear conscience in this that we are diving into your word. We are teaching your word, O oh Lord, and we're trying to do that faithfully, my brother Shelby and myself. And, uh, and God, I pray, that, I pray that you would bring more of our, our church members here on Wednesday night, God. Um, I know that some of them can't make it and, and they watch on a live stream, and I thank you for those who faithfully tune into live stream as well, Lord. Uh, because I see them every Wednesday, and I'm thankful for that. But Lord, I, I do just, I, I plead to you that um, there would be a, a revering and a loving of your word. Um, and Lord, I know that sometimes you, you can use a crooked stick to hit a straight ball, Lord. And, and sometimes that's, I know that's what I am at least, and I won't claim that for Shelby, but I know it for myself. And, but Lord, you can still use us, Lord, to speak your word. And if anything, uh, 
you, you've used my wife, Lord, to teach me that, that if the word is read, if the word is opened, your word, oh God, and it is read to the people, then it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And so God, and we do that, Lord. And so I pray, I just plead with you right now that you'd bring some conviction and some passion and um, you know, some diligence, Lord, uh, for our congregation to be here on Wednesday nights and to enjoy time together in the word and fellowship, God. Uh, it's, so, it's so very little that we get time together, Lord. It's so, it's so the, the times are so few and far in between that I get to see my brothers and sisters' faces and rejoice with them and laugh with them and weep with them and, and pray with them. Um, Lord, and it, it kind of breaks my heart, honestly. Father, it, it, um, it, it, it hurts, and not from a personal place, but from a place of longing to see the church continue to be the church and to love your word and to be together. And so, God, I pray just for an extra wind of diligence and an extra wind of encouragement. And, um, and I know, Lord, there's some who can't get here. Uh, it's, it gets dark, and maybe uh, our eyes aren't what they used to be and that type of thing. And I understand that too, Lord. Um, but, Father, I just pray that. I plead that. I, I don't know why I feel like you brought that into my heart and my mind to, to, to cry that out to you, Lord. And, uh, and so I just pray that to you, Lord. Would you bring that about? I pray that you'd bring revival um, in our churches, God, not just our church, not just Parkway, Father, but, but our churches. Lord, I pray that you would bring revival in this place, talking about the government, talking about our land, talking about how far gone we have gone away from you, Lord. God, I, I plead with you that you would turn our hearts around, that, that we would be, become even more passionate and excited about what you're doing in these days. Lord, that, that just as Chuck was asking about tonight, Lord, that we would we wouldn't need the government to compel us to go. We would go because you've called us to go, O oh Lord. Uh, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you, Jesus, and I pray that we would go. Uh, you, have the, you have the power, Lord. You have the authority. You tell us that you're upholding the universe by the word of your power. Lord, well, I don't know what we are fearing or what, what's holding us back, but I plead right now, God, that you would help the church, and not just Parkway, but, but LifePoint and, 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 and Hope over here and, and these churches in this community, that, that there would be a, a, a fire and a passion for revival to see these, this community changed for you, Christ. Lord, let us weep for the lost. Let us rejoice in the saved. Lord, let us come back to the heart of worship. Lord, let us, let us repent over, over harbored sin. Lord, I pray that. I plead that. If there's sin that needs to be dealt with in the room tonight, I pray that it would be dealt with. Lord, if, there, if there's grievances between brother and sister, I plead with you right now that it would be dealt with. Lord, that, that, that brother would go to brother and, and ask for forgiveness, and forgiveness would be granted. Lord, help us to be the church, Lord, in these days. In, in very dark days, oh Lord, I plead that and I pray. And God, I pray that you attest to your power by the, the healing and the recovery of our brothers and sisters in, in you, Christ Jesus, who are afflicted in pain, uh, even in this very moment. Lord, these that are, that are written down uh, on this prayer list, Lord, I, I pray for my brother Chuck. Lord, uh, we love Chuck. I love Chuck. I love seeing him here, here Lord, and, and talking to him. I love his inquisitiveness, Lord, his questions, and, um, and the fact that he has a hunger in his heart and his soul for you, Lord, and to grow. And Lord, it just encourages me, and it reminds me to always have a childlike uh, approach, uh, always a teachable spirit about me, Lord, because you are the infinite one, and I am so finite. I'm so small, Lord. We are so small compared to you, and so much more for us to learn. 
So I pray that you would give me that heart just like Chuck has, oh Lord. But also I pray that you would heal his back. God, would you please um, recover it quickly or, and we, we know it's not beyond you to heal it completely. And so God, I plead that, I pray that by your powerful name, Lord Jesus. I pray for Darlene uh, Dalton and her continued recovery. We, we love our sister Darlene and I just pray that you would continue to be with her, encourage her. Uh, Lord, I, I plead and I, I cry. Lord, please um, be with uh, Lori, who's feeling under the weather. And uh, God, I know we're not doing choir practice tonight, so uh, please be with the Sims as they're out having some much-needed rest, Lord. And we believe in rest, God. We want our, our church members to have rest at times and our staff members to have rest at times. And so, God, I, I, seasons of rest. And so I pray that uh, for Ryan and Kelsey that this would be one of those very relaxing, restful seasons in you, Christ, and also as they get to see the beauty of your creation. Lord, I pray for continued healing for Jack. Lord, please, Father God, would you heal him? Would you, would you continue? I, I feel like I've, I've heard some good reports, and I, I pray that you would continue to heal him, Lord, and we would see our brother back here really soon, uh, Father. And maybe even in the, in the uh, doctor's office that, that things would happen so rapidly that there would be an uh, attestation to your goodness, Lord, and the doctors would be uh, amazed at his recovery and to know that something, a miracle has taken place that only you could do, Lord. Um, and I pray for DJ, uh, Lord, I pray that you would um, protect her, keep her, Lord, help her to take joy and refuge in you, Jesus, to trust you in the midst of recovery from surgery. Um, Lord, I plead that and I pray that you would help her to find her peace and rest in you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray these things, Lord. Lord, I lift up Ed Garner to you tonight, Father, and just um, just pray for his restoration. I know that there's been multiple uh, health struggles that he's had since our family's been here in Tennessee. And uh, Lord, it just seems like once he gets one step forward, something else happens. And many of us have been there uh, with our health. And so Lord, I just pray that you give him the strength to endure and, and uh, continue to give Judy the strength uh, as his spouse to love him and help him and nurture him through these times. Uh, Father, we pray for our church, for our staff, yes. for these, uh, the, the end of the year coming up, Lord, for uh, for our fall fest coming up on Saturday, for men's group, uh, for Sunday worship, Lord, for uh, all these babies that you have blessed our congregation with, 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 uh, with our younger families. Uh, Father, we desperately want to see something wonderful happen here uh, on this hill for you, Lord, in the continuation of the work that has been done in the past. And Father, we know uh, that, that you will do it through our faithfulness, Father. So help us to be faithful, help us to be bold and true. And as, uh, as your son, Jesus, our Savior, as he instructed us, Lord, we pray uh, for the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so, Lord, we implore you, uh, Lord, please uh, send us more workers for the fields, more workers for the harvest. Bring them here, Father, and help us to equip them uh, to build up this body and so that your name may be lifted up for all nations to know that you are, that your son Jesus is the one true God of the universe. Lord, thank you so much for a great night of study. I pray that we leave this place and we keep these thoughts in our minds and, uh, Lord, that, that you would... Um, help us to share the information with someone, Lord, that, that, that we would see the, the real benefit and the usefulness of the knowledge that we have, that we would come in touch with somebody this week that may be struggling with some of these issues. And so, Father, we pray and we know that uh, your word never returns void. And so we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Good night, Live Feed. Good night, guys. See y'all when? Sunday. Fall Fest. The oh, guys fest, will be yeah. Saturday morning for men's breakfast and then Fall Fest that afternoon and then Sunday services. Lots going on. Lots going on. Good night. Good night.